Looking for a custom crush partner? Bending Branch Winery offers full-spectrum bend-to-bottle services. The experienced winemaking team specializes in red wine production. Advanced extraction options are available to get the most out of red wine grapes. Join Bending Branch and its clients in producing highly awarded wines. Contact Dr. Bob Young by email at bob at bendingbranch.com for more information. Nothing replaces a visit to the tasting room, but on occasions you can't swing a visit to wine country, consider bringing the winery experience to your home with Somley. Somley features many of the highest quality small production wines you won't find in stores or restaurants. You can get the very best Texas wine shipped right to your doorstep. And Texas wineries join the direct-to-consumer digital wine movement. You can now claim, customize, and list your wines for sale on Somley's Marketplace in minutes. With Somley, you can grow your DTC wine sales, club memberships, and visits to your tasting room. Whether you're a wine lover or a winemaker, check it out at Somley.com. Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and consultant with a specialty in Texas wine. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be more informed about Texas wine. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 57. Hello, hello. It is so good to be back. This is my first podcast of 2023, and there's a lot happening. There's a lot to catch up on. On today's episode, my guest is international consulting winemaker Jean Hoflinger, who is now working in Texas. Jean was a keynote speaker at the recent Texas Hill Country Wine Symposium, and I had the opportunity to interview him there. Jean is a pretty humble guy, but in fact, he's really quite a big deal in the world of wine. In our interview, you'll hear his enthusiasm for Texas and the future of the Texas wine industry. On each podcast, I start with a rundown of how Texas wine is showing up in the news and also a bit about what's been going on in the industry. So let's get to it. Thanks for listening to This is Texas Wine. Since you've heard from me last, I've picked up another Texas wine certification. I attended the new Texas wine certification course at the Hill Country Wine Symposium. The course was led by Kelsey Kramer, the director of education at William Chris Wine Company. Kelsey did a great job putting together this course, which is really ideally suited for people who have a customer-facing role in a winery tasting room. There was information shared about winemaking, AVAs, grape varieties, wine and food pairings, and so much more with an emphasis on how to communicate complicated wine topics in a way that's approachable. If your winery might be interested in becoming a sponsor of this training, reach out to Kelsey you'd be able to bring the program to your winery for free and also help share this important training with others across the state. Thanks to William Chris Wine Company and Texas Hill Country Wineries for underwriting my participation in this course. The symposium as a whole was just a whirlwind of informative panels, great tastings, and networking. So thanks to everybody who made it possible, including January, Kate, and Seth Urbanek, who was the symposium chair. At least three people completed the Texas Wine Podcast bingo card that I had shared on social media and in person at the conference. So congratulations to John Cedillo, Zen Brown, and January Weesey. One of the most buzzed about sessions at the symposium was a panel called Why Texas? What is attractive about the Texas wine industry that is driving established brands from other states into our area? Amy Nimick moderated the panel and The panel featured Sarah Garrett of Serrano Wines of High Texas, formerly of Paso Robles, Chris Missick of Missick Cellars in the Finger Lakes, and Haley Z of Bluemont Vineyards in Virginia. Apparently, Halter Ranch was invited to participate, but declined. Each of the wineries represented has a really different approach to entering the market in Texas, and it's really hard to summarize all the different talking points and opinions on this topic Even having this session on the agenda was thoroughly debated, even among the members of the Texas Hill Country Wineries Board. I think holding the session was the right thing to do. And in fact, that's kind of the elephant in the room, right? Texas is indeed an appealing destination for new wineries, both those that have strong ties to Texas and those whose only tie is that a bunch of their wine club members live here. I know many winery owners 
who are nervous about what's to come. And certainly I don't blame them for being worried about maybe the security of their grape contracts, labor availability, and also, frankly, whether or not their brand and product is resonating with consumers and whether the business model that they employ can be profitable. The wine landscape certainly won't be getting any easier when more competition comes to town. And this is a topic that we'll continue to revisit, I'm sure, for many years. So I'll end the symposium talk on a less controversial note. One of my favorite sessions was about sensory analysis and how that plays into wine. Anna Catherine Mansfield from Cornell was the speaker, and she was excellent. We tested our ability to detect solutions that had been manipulated with, say, excess sugar, and also got an idea for whether or not we are super tasters, and I am not. Wedding Oak general manager and winemaker Seth Urbanic was a student of hers and was responsible for bringing her to Texas. Amy Beth Wright recently published an article, How Low Yields Are Spurring Texas Winemakers' Creativity and Wine Enthusiast. She did a deep dive into the 2022 vintage and interviewed winemakers and winery owners across the state. Opinions on the vintage vary. Imagine that. In the article, there's talk about the drought and a little bit about dicamba. On the upside, Randy Hester of CL Buteau says the wines will be hedonistically pleasurable. He goes on to say, we have full phenolic ripening at lower bricks, unmatched in my nine harvests in Texas. It's exactly what we look for from a winemaking standpoint. Dan Gatlin, owner of Inwood Estates Vineyards in Fredericksburg, describes 2022's Tempranillos as outrageous, having come in at a quarter ton per acre. He says what there is of 2022 will be of very high quality with really high concentrations of flavor. The flip side is we'd love to have more of it. A couple of new tasting rooms have just opened and should be on your radar. In the Hill Country, Bingham Family Vineyards has relocated from Fredericksburg to High. You'll find Bingham in the old 0815 spot. In the Texas Davis Mountains... Alta Marfa has opened their first tasting room there in Marfa. It's located in the same building where production takes place, and it's just open on Fridays and Saturdays. And in the Texas High Plains, Adelphos Cellars has just announced plans for a winery, vineyard, and event center in Lubbock. Jim Irwin, majority owner and managing partner of the winery, says, We envision the winery, tasting rooms, the whole thing to be a trendsetter and become a wine destination. I really think we're going to see Lubbock become a wine destination, and we want to be on the leading edge of that. If you're looking for the coolest urban wineries in the U.S., Thrill List says you should look no further than the Austin Winery. Their article is subtitled, Sip Pet Nat in a Refurbished Garage and Never Look Back. The Austin Winery is located in the yard in South Austin and indeed does have some nice pet nat and some canned cocktails and a very cool vibe, but their more standard offerings are really impressive too. They host cool events that are very pro-Texas fruit. Yes, a cool urban winery vibe may appeal more to younger drinkers than older, but that's a good thing because wine has an old people problem. The latest edition of the Silicon Valley Bank State of the Wine Industry Report includes a number of findings. It's wine industry's problem gaining traction with younger drinkers that's getting the most press. They increasingly choose spirits, beer, alternative beverages, or alcohol abstinence over wine. Engagement with the younger consumers has just not proven very successful so far. In fact, consumers under 60 are even less interested in buying wine today than they were in 2007. Well, who's having the most positive impact on wine sales? That's older drinkers, between 70 and 80. The report states that for these persistent trends to be reversed, we need to do something different because what we're doing now isn't working. Today, the wine industry is failing to identify and apply effective measures to attract new people to the category, create more occasions for wine to be consumed by existing wine consumers, or take market share back from the spirits category. The spirits category is doing a much better job of selling and marketing their product. 
A few other key findings include positive trends for wines priced over $15 and positive trends for Sauvignon Blanc as a variety. One of the report's high-level summary points is that the growth in the non-California wine community across North America continues. Good, approachable, and continuously improving wines are being grown and made throughout the country in each state, as well as in Canada and even northern Mexico. They say these non-traditional regions are making handcrafted wines at affordable prices and bringing in younger new consumers to the category. I'll link to a virtual event, which provides a good summary, and to the full 100-page report in the show notes. Results from the San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition are in, and Texas Wines earned a whopping 10 best-in-class awards. Well, there was also a best-in-class for a non-alcoholic wine, and that would make 11. And there's also a winery in Texas that won with a California wine, but let's focus on the alcoholic wines from Texas Grapes. You can see the full results at winejudging.com or see the sorted Texas results at Texas Wine Lover website. My comments here are just about the categories and wineries that I found particularly interesting. Those 10 best-in-class awards went to some wineries and varieties that you'd expect, like Ready Vineyards TNT, which was awarded for Tempranillo. English Newsom for their Viognier, and Messina Hoff for Sagrantino, but also for wineries and varieties that you might not expect. These include newcomer Portree Cellars, who won for a single varietal Fiano, and Parasos, who won the other white varieties category with a Picpoul Blanc. A few wineries really caught my eye because they just won a lot of awards. Becker seems to always enter and win a ton. This year, they won two best of class and three gold medals. And look out for Jackie Van Sant Downs, winemaker at Driftwood Estate Vineyards, who won three best-in-class, a double gold and a gold. And finally, it was newer and smaller Abastris, who won a whopping six gold medals. They're getting a ton of good press lately. I like to look at the data a few different ways to see where and how Texas wineries showed up, and also how much you can expect to spend on these wines. Prices for best-in-class winners in Texas range from $30 to $60. There are two gold medal winning wines that you can purchase for under $20. They are the Messina Hoff 2020 Texas High Plains Artist Series Sangiovese at $17 and the Becker Vineyards 2019 Cabernet Syrah Reserve for $19. And if you expand the price range to $25, you'll get a, a couple of additional gold medal winning red wines from Messina Hoff a Grape Creek Rosé, and an Eden Hill Vineyards Rosé. I bet everybody who's listening to this is pretty familiar with Texas Wine Lover, the website, but maybe you haven't yet discovered Texas Wine Lover has an app. Founder Jeff Cope and new co-owner Amy Nimick are excited about the new offerings at Texas Wine Lover. The website has a guide where businesses can claim their listing, and there's an interactive trip planner to help plan your trips to wineries all across the state. And finally, they've launched a long-awaited app that you can download now. Check it out and get busy planning your next winery visit, and wineries, be sure to claim your listing. You might have seen my recent social media post where I highlighted a few of the wine events that I'll be attending over the next few months, like Rootstock, which will be held in Waco on April the 15th. More to come on that, including a code for you to use to get a discount on your ticket. You may know that I grew up in Waco, and so this is my hometown wine festival, but I've actually never been, and I can't wait to experience it for the first time and hope to see you there. There's also a VIP dinner after the festival, and I'll be there too. I'm also excited to announce that Toast of Texas is back. This popular event is put on by the Wine and Food Foundation. This year, Toast of Texas will be held the afternoon of April 23rd, that's a Sunday, in Bee Cave at the Star Hill Ranch. If you're a member of the Wine and Food Foundation or you want to sign up for membership now, be sure to get tickets to the VIP session that will start just before the main event. Once again, I'll be moderating a panel of winemakers and sharing some of my top Texas wines. VIP guests will enjoy a seated tasting and light bites during the winemaker panel. There are still tickets to the VIP session and, of course, to the main event. 
but those VIP tickets won't last long. DM me for details or find the link in the show notes. And finally, I'd like for you to hear from Donna Schlosser-Long, the National President of Women for Wine Sense. This organization is holding a national conference in Fredericksburg in May, and she's here to tell us all about the organization and the conference, because you just might want to attend. Here's Donna. So Women for Wine Sense is a national organization. It's a national not-for-profit wine education organization. Basically, our job is to educate people in the community about wine and the, the healthy benefits of having, you know, wine in your life. Um, but it's also a very robust professional organization, meaning many wine professionals are a part of it. But you don't have to be a wine professional in order to enjoy Women for Wine Sense. Many chapters across the country have more enthusiast-type events, meaning you don't have to be a wine professional to actually enjoy it. Okay. Um, it's really, we have about, oh, geez, 14 chapters across the country now. So we cover Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington, and Dallas, Texas. And we're really all over South Florida, upstate New York, in the Finger Lakes, we have a very active chapter. And surprisingly, our most active and largest chapter to date right now is our Rochester, New York chapter. We're really excited to wine, dine, and shine in Texas Hill Country this summer, May 18th through the 20th. We had to cancel our big 30th anniversary celebration out in Sonoma. Sonoma was where the organization was born, you know, over 30 years ago. But with COVID, we had to cancel. So we're really excited to get the get the gang back together in Texas Hill Country. Well, I've enjoyed my membership in the Dallas chapter of Women for Wine Sense and I look forward to being down there. I'm actually on the agenda, but tell people what you can expect if you uh, join Women for Wine Sense for this meeting in the Hill Country. Well, I'll tell you, the Thursday night welcome reception um, will be right at the hotel. It's at the Fredericksburg Inn and Suites, and it'll be a reception of multiple Texas wineries from across the state. So you'll be able to taste so many different types of varieties from so many different wineries, and you'll be meeting people from all across the country who will be there to enjoy it with you. Um, on Friday, we'll have winery, like vineyard experiences. You'll be able to visit a winery in the morning. Then we get together for lunch at another winery. It'll be a gorgeous, gorgeous course lunch. And we'll do a tour at that winery as well. And then another winery visit in the afternoon. Um, it's just such a wonderful day. And it's one of my favorite uh, days of, of the conference. Um, we'll be at William Chris Vineyards as well as Hilmi Vineyards um, and then Becker Vineyards for our luncheon too. So it's exciting. And on Saturday, it'll be all education day, like from morning morning and afternoon, you'll have four different seminars where you'll learn from a professional within the industry, um, different wines. Um, and, and you'll be there. You'll be teaching a seminar on Saturday. I'm really excited about that. Um, yes, me too. Yeah, it'll be amazing. But that's always a really fun day. The seminar day is really fun where you get to meet with different instructors all for the entire day. Susan Aller will be there from Fall Creek Vineyards. Um, Ed Hellman, who's a professor of, professor of viticulture and enology at Texas Tech. Um, and then um, we also have another um, Maureen Qualley. Yeah, Qualia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I apologize. Uh, Maureen Qualia, um, an analogy lecturer at Texas Tech uh, University as well. Um, so my friend Amy Gross uh, will be the, sort of the master of ceremonies throughout the day, introducing all of the speakers. Um, she's the owner of Vine Sleuth. I don't know. Do you do you know Amy? I do know Amy. I've known her uh, um, on social media for a while, but we actually got to meet this year at the Houston Rodeo Wine Competition. So she's great. Oh, she speaks so highly of that competition, too. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's great. It's a huge, huge competition. Well, that should be a fun day. So like membership in the organization, the conference is available to not just industry professionals, but also wine enthusiasts, correct? Absolutely. And I think the wine enthusiasts are the one that ha who have the most fun at these events, really, um, because it's, you know, it's a really broad look at wine. It's not something so in-depth that, you know, you need a college degree in order to understand what's happening in the classes. They're really, really fun. And you make lifelong connections. I know that I've done these um, in Sonoma, in Napa, uh, in the Finger Lakes, and I've just made connections 20 years ago that I still maintain today. So it's a 
really great uh, weekend of getting to know new people and um, really having some great wine. So I can't wait to experience Texas Hill Country. I've actually never been to Texas Hill Country, so I'm really excited to go too. Oh, super. Well, I'm guessing a lot of the attendees, if they're coming in from other parts of the United States, might not have had Texas wine because so much of Texas wine is consumed within Texas. So unless they visited before, this may be their first introduction to Texas wine. Women for Wine Sense does events um, almost every single month, depending on what chapter you're in. Um, So I'm in the Rochester, New York chapter, and we do events every single month. So we have had a couple of Texas wine events um, where we've had speakers from Texas via Zoom um, and had wine sent in from Texas. So it's really exciting for some of us who have had it in our home state, but never actually been there to see it so we're really excited to to be able to look around and see all of the all of the wineries and experience the glory of texas hill country donna are there ways that wineries can still participate if they're perhaps interested in getting their wine to the conference Absolutely, 100%. We absolutely would like to have as many Texas wineries participate um, in the events for those three full days as we can. So wine donations obviously are welcome, um, but we definitely could use wines for uh, lunches, for dinners, um, and for different seminars. I know that they're still looking for a couple of different wines to um, fit into the seminar days. And, you know, obviously the opening reception where all the different Texas wines um, will, will be that'll be a great place for people to participate. Wonderful. Where should people go if they want more information about the organization or possibly to register for the conference? If you want to go to womenforwinesense.org, everything you need to know will be there. You can order a ticket. You can be a part of the weekend, even if you're not a member of the association, but you save, you save some money if you become a member. Um, but womenforwinesense.org is where you would find all the information on the Texas Hill Country event, as well as on our organization in general. And uh, there's lots of really great resources on that website as well um, for your wine education. Well, I love that you've picked Texas selfishly because I always think people should come explore Texas wine country and I look forward to speaking and also showing folks around um, the exciting Texas wine country. Isn't it wonderful how how much interest there is in wines from Texas? I just think it's so fascinating. And you guys can grow things there because you have the heat that we just don't have here in upstate New York. So you have a lot more sun than we don't have in upstate New York. So you can grow a lot of different things that we can't grow up here. Our focus is predominantly Riesling and Pinot Noir, but I love some Texas Tempranillo and some Viognier. And I'm really excited to try some other things from your area. Great. Well, I've already heard a number of people that I know are attending, and so I'm sure tickets are going fast. So They are. People should go ahead and make their plans and plan to attend. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate taking the opportunity to talk to me, and I can't wait to meet you live and in person and uh, drink some beautiful Texas wines together. Find links to all these stories in the show notes at thisistexaswine.com. And that's the Texas Wine News. During the Texas Hill Country Wine Symposium, I had the opportunity to interview consulting winemaker John Hoflinger. Many Texans first heard John's name in 2021 when it was announced that he would be working with the winemaking teams from two of the wineries in Texas Wine Collective, Brennan Vineyards and Lost Oak Winery. Since then, he and his business partner, Dave Bryant, have developed quite a list of Texas winery clients that they're advising through their consultancy, Texas Wine Consulting. John has made wine at world-class wineries, including Bordeaux's Chateau Lynchbage, Newton Vineyards, and Napa, and he was part of the management team that opened Alpha Omega in the Napa Valley as well. He also has a long list of clients around the world, including Tuscany and South Africa, and his wines have earned some very high scores, even a few perfect scores, by top wine reviewers. I've been excited to meet Jean and talk about his approach with his Texas clients, his personal investment in the Hill Country, and more. Here's our conversation. To prepare for this, I listened to a lot of interviews that you've given, and you've been asked about Texas a little bit, but I want to really delve into that some more. With pleasure. How did Texas first get on your radar screen? Um, Texas actually came through my radar screen through Dave Bryant. 
so Dave and I used to work together at Alpha Omega in Napa Valley. And Dave decided to move his family to Texas because, like many Californians, he saw an opportunity, a culture that he embraced. And uh, uh, after a few months of him living down here and kind of gauging the wine industry and, 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 and you know, really looking into, into the potential down here, he actually called me and said, hey, would you, would you agree to come down and, and, and see what would be possible to do with the grapes, with the terroir, with that culture down here? And what happened was actually almost magical. Is, is I discovered a culture, the Texas culture, the Texas identity, that is fairly similar to the culture that I had growing up. I was born and raised in Switzerland. Switzerland is a tiny country. It's now 8 million people. I grew up in a town of 200,000 people. Uh, and that country, even though really small, is divided in states. And each state has a fairly strong identity. And so when you move and you come and you actually get to really know Texas from almost from the inside, you find that the Texas identity is actually more important than the American one. And there's a few states in Switzerland that are exactly the same, where the identity, the sense of place, the sense of pride of place is much more important than the citizenship itself. So first thing, I, I really enjoy that because... I believe in cultural differences, right? I, I think that the the world society is a better place when when it's diverse. And and to be able to see that really strong Texas identity and Texas culture was was great. And then I started looking around specifically at production, wine, vineyard. And I found what I believe to be Napa twenty years ago, but in the good sense, without the pretension without sometimes the bling-bling, a culture of wine that was much closer to the roots and to a healthier culture of wine. And so I, I automatically, Dave was kind of hesitant. Is, you know, is he going to be okay? And, so, and I actually am looking forward to come to Texas every time because of it. And, and I ended up uh, uh, purchasing a property with Dave just for that. I will never be Texan. Because it's not who I am. I was born and raised in Europe, etc. But I really share that vision, that feel of the Texas culture. That's exciting. I've heard you say that before, that Napa, maybe 20 or 30 years ago, is similar to where Texas is now. Yeah, it, it, it is not only uh, because of its, its climate. Texas has... has multiple regions obviously multiple you know appellation multiple growing climates microclimates but most importantly texas has the interest the excitement of a growing wine industry of a new beverage almost obviously in the world history wine is not new it's 12000 years old it it's it has survived you know many many catastrophes and wars and 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 massive disease issues uh, uh uh you know and thanks to to mainly religion uh, wine has 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 been carrying through all all these disasters and and texas have this amazing energy surrounding a product that is grown from the soil and that represents i think a style of life ultimately really uh, more than anything else and so it's 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 for me something that matches the texas culture because wine historically is shared in church uh, which works fairly well in texas is 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 shared of course at the family table which is also a value that texas shares really really strongly right so so everything is made in this state to have a big wine culture. I think it's just a question of time. You've been a consultant around the world. When you come into a new wine region, what do you do first to get your feet on the ground to start figuring out where to begin your consulting work? I shut my mouth and I listen. And, and, and I always say this every time I walk in a new vineyard or a new winery, because I, of course, have more to learn than to teach. Uh, because you have to listen to the tradition. You know, the, the French word terroir is the interaction of a plant, a soil, with a climate, but most importantly, also the people surrounding it. And so when you enter a new region, 
there's no way even the best, greatest scientific knowledge can actually describe precisely what is happening in that region, what is happening in that climate, what is happening in that culture. So your greatest assets are others. And so it's really kind of fun because sometimes when you start in a company, people look at you, you know, a little bit threatened, obviously, uh, because you were hired by the owner. So the winemaking team can be like, okay, who's that guy? And, and, and they're fairly surprised when the first thing I say is, hey, guys, at the beginning, I'm just going to learn from you guys and see what we can do together. And, and I think that's really the, 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 the base of the start. And with them giving you tips, stories, knowledge, then you start incorporating what you have seen elsewhere that worked to better a situation. I don't believe at all in perfection. Anyone, ever. Uh, uh, a perfect score for me is, is just an x-ray at that time of that wine, but no wine is perfect. So it's constantly a way to better it, to progress. And so by having the interaction of that local team that has history, uh, me coming with a more international, more maybe diverse view of, 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 of wine growing and winemaking the combination of the two just makes the product get better and better and better. And I, and I tend to say that the greatest relationship and the most successful wines or, or wineries that I work with are always with a team that is willing to fight for what they believe in. Because if the team sits and says, yes, master, sure, great, it's great, it, it goes nowhere. But when you have contradiction, difference of opinions, uh, that's when you you push yourself and the and the product to get better. In the past, you've said I didn't write this down, but something to the effect of the past fifty years have been about winemaking, and the next fifty years will be about viticulture and dealing with the impact of climate change. How does that ring true in Texas, and is that a correct representation of your thoughts? Well, let let's put it let's put it this way: climate change is let's say climate variation is, is, is clearly uh, a truth, right? We see in Texas in 2023, we saw it in 2022, drought. So extreme lack of water. And we have today a really, really good knowledge of how to handle these type of situations uh, in order for the plant to still produce high-quality grapes. Because a winemaker today is actually expected to create great wines every year independently of vintage. It's funny because we're asked to express vintage difference, but we're also asked always to have these vintage differences expressed as a very, at, a, at a very high level. And so over the last 50 years, the winemaking grew because the chemistry knowledge of wine grew. But in the next 50 because of climate change, because of climatic demand, I think is, 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 is the best way to, to, to put it. We will have to find solution to mitigate the outside to maintain wine levels high. You're known as, as a winemaker, but your knowledge also extends in the vineyard. So what kind of adaptations might you be talking with Texas vineyards about? Well, uh, first technological, obviously, uh, you, you have to you have to take in consideration what what science and and technology can offer you to better a situation. But I'm at the I'm at the very beginning of my Texas history. It's been almost three years, two and a half. I am still in the observation, learning phase, injecting knowledge. But it is absolutely clear that in the vineyard, which is the base of wine, no great wine is made without vineyard. So, so it's actually agriculture. And, and, and my parents always laugh when I turn around and they're, oh my gosh, you're so, so proud of what you do. And I'm like, I'm just in agriculture. I mean, that's all I do is grow. And so the vineyard is the base, is the DNA of a wine. And in Texas... I believe that in any given situation, you have to focus on what you lack, not what you already have. So what are the problems? We know, uh, you know, excessive heat, uh, rain, hail, um, uh, sugar accumulation that is too fast. Now it's, 
understanding the global equation and what can be done to mitigate that. Mitigate that in the vineyard and mitigate that, of course, in the winery with different technology, different products, and so on and so on. So, so I think it's when you taste the wines that we did last night, you and I, and you taste this lineup of, of Texas wine, there's great product in there. There's product that have a true identity and a true DNA. People should be proud. Does that mean that these products are outstanding and cannot be better? No, it's of course not. These products need to be better, like anyone in the world from Bordeaux, Napa, you know, Tuscany or wherever. But I think it's really important to realize that, to realize the fact that Texas today has to put resources. And when I say Texas is 20 years behind or was what Napa is, the resources is a key point. And I'm not talking about just money. Money has a straight direct impact. If you, you know, invest X amount in your vineyard, well, you're going to have to raise the price of your bottle to recoup some of that cost. It's, it's, it's absolutely normal. But also the, the resource of knowledge of others, people that have been making wine for thousands of years everywhere in the world have accumulated a knowledge that should be learned or at least shared with the Texas wine industry on a constant basis because it will definitely make things progress. When I announced the first time that I was going to start working in Texas, I received an amazing phone call from a guy called John Caldwell. John Caldwell is an old grower of Napa Valley that did a lot to bring in certain varietals and certain clones from Bordeaux into, into the Napa Valley. Uh, uh, and John says, oh, Jean-Jean, I'm really happy that you're going to Texas. Uh, you know, I was there 20 years ago, and here's my tip. Your biggest issue is pH, and Tanat will grow really well. Well, right there, because of a press release, the guy picks up the phone just to share knowledge. And I think that's also one of the magic of wine, is, is, is wine has a place in society to share experiences and moments and times. And so he did in the benefit of my knowledge of Texas wine. And I think that's what wine is, is one of the reasons why I love wine so much. That's cool. That's a crazy guy right there. That yeah. John Caldwell. Yeah, <laughs> I've done a cave tasting with him at his place. Oh my gosh. Um, so the state of Texas is still, still reeling just a bit because wine enthusiasts doesn't want to review our wines anymore. I know that you you seek perfection, but know it can never quite be attained. But when a publication like that says no thank you to Texas reviews, what what does a state? How should we respond? Um, by going to seek other publication that will be interested and are interested into at least looking into what Texas is trying to do, and that's one of my you know, biggest or going to be one of my biggest achievements because Dave and I discussed that many times is I am finding publications, important readers that will and have interest in trying new regions. Uh, uh, I talked to James Suckling about it uh, uh, the other the other day, a few months ago, and, and he said, okay, yeah, for sure, I'm willing to come to Texas and taste Texas wine. And what's going to happen is very easy. Already today, in Texas, you have a certain amount of wine that will rate between 90 to 96, 97 points, which is really high. You're talking already at an A-plus, you know, grades from the teacher. As soon as these ratings will come out, the rest of the press will come because they cannot afford then to say, I am not interested or we cannot send or, or take the time to, to, to do so. The other thing that's going to happen is consumer demand. As soon as we keep on building consumer demand in Texas, well, their bread and butter, any publication, is people that buy their magazine. As soon as the amount of people that are interested in Texas wine are big enough, they'll rate, they'll taste wine. So we have to almost reverse think that right and, and 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 the great thing about the wine industry 
and the Texas identity I was talking to you about is also the fact that we have within three and a half hours of Fredericksburg, 32 million people. So as soon as we convince even half of those that the Texas wine industry has grown and improved so much that there's a quality product, therefore the importance of press as well, that will snowball fairly fast. And, and, and I was talking last night at dinner, I think it's going to take less than 10 years for, for, for this change, this shift to make. And, and, and look, we're in, a, we're in a, a global village. The world is a global village. And I think a lot of companies are looking into you know, consumer accumulation. And, and, and a lot of people are looking, a lot of companies are looking today to take position in Texas because they're seeing that change happen right now. And just by that, it means what? Things are changing. Because the really smart ones, right? The, the guys that have many, many more brain cells than I do, they actually analyze that extremely precisely and know exactly when to go in because it represents a financial interest that is good for them. And it's happening right now. Are you as positive about wine competitions? And should Texas be entering a lot of international wine competitions? Yeah, I think, you know, look, I think that the fault so far of Texas is of two. Uh, the one, I think, that Texas has an inferior, inferiority complex with their wine when they shouldn't. And then the second is because the identity is so strong and because the sense of belonging and, 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 and origin is so strong in Texas, they almost have forgotten to go outside of their own borders. And the first challenge for Texas is going to be to take the wine in the U.S., But it doesn't stop there. Once you're done with the U.S., you have to go international. And so your competition pool is much even greater because now you're in competition with the wines from the rest of the world. And, and that's why wine is so amazing. It's a life journey. It is not an instantaneous gratification. It's a life commitment. And, 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 and I think that the next two stages will be there. Keep improving the quality of Texas wine while you actually position Texas wine in the U.S., preparing for an international positioning. And, 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 and if the Texas wine industry is serious the way they for sure look they are today, that's the only direction to go. On a slightly different topic, Texas grows something like 60 or 70 different varieties. I'm sure you've tasted many of them. What are you most excited about in Texas in terms of varieties or blends or styles? I, I, I love diversity. And, 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 and honestly, I'm going to tell you a little story that I think is almost shocking. The French government, I think beginning of the 2000, maybe end of 90s, beginning of 2000, this decided to start giving financial aids to wine growers that would rip out local small varietals to plant what they called noble varietals. Chardonnay, Cabernet, right? the, 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 the big players, they ruin diversity. And one of the greatest things about wine is its diversity. And when you see in Texas that you can have that much diversity, it is the beauty of wine. Nobody wants to get bored. Any relationship between two humans become hard when it becomes a routine, when you wake up next to the same person for 50 years in a row. Well, who wants to drink the same varietal, the same bottle of wine 50 years in a row? Nobody. So that diversity, that change in Texas is actually, for me, a benefit and something that will really, really push consumers to look into. But for one thing, of course, we will have to in Texas, go through a phase where we're going to have to identify certain climates, certain regions, certain soil, and even go down to certain vineyards that are more specifically suited for certain varietal than others. But I'm a big fan of Tanat in Texas. I'm a big fan of Italian varietals in Texas. And to be honest, there's certain challenges that I'm looking, that I'm sure that I still have to learn from, from Texas people, from the old timers, in, in regions where we have so much limestone, why is 
nobody trying Chardonnay with the new clones. With the clones that can be picked much earlier, therefore at a lower pH, uh, 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 because that minerality of the limestone is exactly burgundy, right? So you can say, okay, but the temperature are much higher, and, and of course we have humidity and rain, so the rot, yeah, but all these are challenges that technologically we know how to solve. So it's all about really for me what you cannot change really the climate and the soil are things are, that are impossible to change but when you have these specifics for me it dictates to you what to plant naturally tell me about your project if you're ready to talk about it what can you say I, you know it's it's uh, it's it's i if, of course i'm i'm, I'm ready to, to talk about it it's a property on 290 and 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 Dave, you know, knocked on, 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 on my door one day and then on my cell phone via SMS and then a call and then a video call and then an email and then five emails and 10 emails. And, and, and finally, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And, and came up and said, all right, I think I found a property for us that, that really means what, what we need. And so... It's it's in between Fredericksburg and High on, on 290, and, and, and it's only 12 acres. It's not a, a, a pretty big property, but it's a property that, for me, also shows how much him as a born and raised Californian, me as a born and raised Swiss, want to try to buy in the Texas culture and, 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 and try to pretend we are Texans. We'll never be, we know. We will never be accepted as Texans for generations. We know that too. But it is for us a way to plant our roots in the Texas culture. And, and, and we'll plant vineyards. We'll definitely have a winery. I will probably put a ten, you know, a tasting room at one point uh, for, for, for financial reasons and, and, and sales reasons. But it's really, for me, most importantly, interesting and exciting because of that. Because I... I fell in love with the Texas culture. What's your timeline? When when can we visit? Well, you have to ask Dave <laughs> that. Uh, you know, it, it was purchased six months ago, and uh, and so we're going through a, a little bit of the uh, the permitting and, of course, the fin- financial planning of it. You know, but uh, uh, within I would say probably twenty four months, you should have cool. buildings to visit. Later today, you're giving the luncheon keynote address on what you've learned in Texas so far. What are you going to talk about that I haven't already asked you? Well, I'm going to talk about stop being shy. I'm going to talk about the culture. I'm going to talk about understanding that technology is there to mitigate the faults of certain wine-growing regions of Texas. Uh, And I'm going to, of course, talk that if people don't realize what they have under their feet, they should not be part of the industry. Because when you have something as great as these different climate soils and this culture, you cannot waste your time about not being proactive. And, and I think it's, it's for me extremely important that, that people realize that in Napa, it's easy to make great, but it's hard to sell. And in Texas, it's today maybe harder to make great, but it's really easy to sell. So let's focus on what the real thing is about. Again, not sales. You've got the pole of, 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 of consumers. It's really people understanding there's not much to do. There's tweaks of knowledge that need to be done in order to really position a product in the world and not be shy about it. Well, what does success look like? Happiness. You know, that, that's, that's something that in, in my life, I was in, in, in law school and I was in wealth management, you know, and, and, and I define fairly fast the fact that for me, success is just happiness and, and everybody has to find their own, but it's almost, if you have health, you almost have an obligation of happiness. And I think it's to every individual to find it as fast as they can and to maximize the, the happiness co- you know, component of their life. Well, I'm happy you're here. And I appreciate you taking the time to let your voice 
go out beyond this conference. And I think that's a great message for all of Texas to hear that we're in exciting times and the future looks bright. Yeah, it for sure does. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Of course. Anything that you didn't have a chance to say that you want to say? Drink Texas wine and be proud of it. There you go. And restaurateurs, put it on your wine list. How's that? Yeah, that's 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 really for me, for me, shocking. Honestly, it it is is why. But that also is just a translation that in restaurants, not enough people are actually asking for Texas wine, right? It's 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 a it's it's a vicious circle in a in a way. And 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 I think the easiest best way to break that circle is press, because as soon as you're going to start having trophy wines. People are going to want them on their table. And as soon as they want them on their table, restaurant will start putting them on their list. Here's hoping. Yep. For sure. Thank you, Sean. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Stay tuned for demerits and gold stars. If you've found value from this podcast, I hope you'll help me out by following along on the socials at Texas Wine Pod. Consider supporting the podcast with a donation. You can do that on the website, thisistexaswine.com, then click support the podcast. While you're on the website, please sign up for the podcast newsletter. It's always full of recommendations, more Texas wine news, and things that just don't get mentioned on the podcast. And finally, when you're considering lodging in Fredericksburg, check out Cork and Cactus. We've recently added a hot tub to the property, and it's now kid and pet friendly. The link is in the show notes. And now it's time for demerits and gold stars. So I've always been interested in the Roan Rangers, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting American Roan varietal wines. American Roan style wines are made from the same grapes that have flourished for centuries in France's Roan River Valley. And guess what? Many of these also flourish in Texas. Some popular Rhone varieties are Grenache, Syrah, Morvedre, Cinso, Carignan, Cunoise, Viognier, Marsan, Roussan, Picpoul Blanc, just to name a few. Well, the Rhone Rangers have about 100 winery members in their group. They're primarily California wineries that make wine from these Rhone varieties. Well, imagine my surprise when I saw that the upcoming Rhone Ranger experience, the popular annual tasting, will include a Texas winery. And that winery is William Chris. They're a member of the Roan Rangers, and I'm thrilled that participants in this Roan Ranger experience will get to try some Texas wines alongside all the other Roan varietal wines from member wineries like Ridge, Tablas Creek, and Troon, just to name a few. Membership in groups like this and participation in tasting events outside of Texas does make a difference. And so a gold star to William Chris for making this investment and for joining Roan Rangers. Get in touch. Please send me your feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes. You can email me at texaswinepod at gmail.com. Thank you to Texas Wine Lover for promotional assistance. Check out txwinelover.com for the new interactive trip planner, and don't forget to download the app. I'll be back in two weeks with an interview with James Tidwell. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.